Let's start reshaping Europe. It's time. A podcast series of dialogue perspectives discussing religions and worldviews. A program supported by the Federal Foreign Office. Welcome back, everyone, to the 18th episode of the Dialogue Perspectives podcast, Reshaping Europe. I'm Henry Vogel, a program manager at Dialogue Perspectives. I'm also an activist for queer rights and a scholar of religious and cultural studies. And, surprise, I'm no longer alone at the podcast. I have Whitney. Hello, everyone. And Neta Paulina joining me as co-host. Hello. Great. Welcome, both of you. I'm really excited that you have joined our podcast, since I know both of you from our seminars. But for those who have listened to our podcast but don't know you, what is there about to know you, Whitney? I am also very excited to be part of this podcast, Henry. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm a Black human rights advocate dealing with international criminal justice. So basically with questions around how to hold human rights abusers accountable for serious crimes. I'm also an alumna and speaker from this year's Dialogue Perspectives program. Great. Thank you, Whitney. What about you, Neta Paulina? Well, I'm also thrilled to be here. And I'm a critical geographer. Um, that means I'm all about the intersection of identity and human territoriality and questions of social order and boundaries beyond the idea of the nation state. And like Whitney, I'm also an alumna and give seminars as part of the Dialogue Perspectives program. Wow. I'm already intrigued to right away start a conversation with you. In fact, we will do this in a few moments. But first, maybe for those of us who have been listening to the podcast uh, before, um, you may be asking yourself, what's happening here? So, well, as you might know, things have changed since our first broadcast of the podcast, and now it's time for a change again. So we will still talk about the issues that move us in Europe um, today, but in a different way. Because in our experience, the most productive part of every seminar and summit at Dialogue Perspectives are the coffee breaks. That's basically where the deep talk and the sharing of perspectives and beliefs happens. So to get things a bit started off, I'm having a mocha, like my grandma used to make it. What about you, Neta Paulina Whitney? What are you having for coffee? Well, I'm happily sipping my black coffee. Whitney? I'm going to stay loyal to my cappuccino with oat milk. Great choices, both. <laughs> But seriously, what's it about the coffee breaks? Do you know what? I think they just have a different vibe. Things are more relaxed and it seems easier to connect. And that's the energy we feel like we need at the podcast, right? And to bring it here. Let's discuss different issues that need to be reframed in a European context, from human rights to feminism to plurality, social justice, religions and worldviews and beyond. Exactly. And we want to hear from different guests and experts as well. What are their perspectives and visions for a pluralistic society? We believe it's important to hear as many diverse perspectives and ideas as possible in order to come up with solutions that truly work for everyone. This is the point. So we want to find pluralistic solutions with as many and as different persons as possible in a way that don't rank ideas or label them as right or wrong. And we have some great upcoming topics planned. We are going to dive into particular cases, for example, Poland's civil society in the face of ever-increasing rights restrictions led by the government. We will also spend our next seminar in Poland, so stay tuned for some updates. We also seek to answer some bigger questions, though, like what does solidarity mean and what are our obligations to protect the rights of migrants and refugees? What kind of challenges and opportunities do we see with upcoming elections in several European countries in 2023? 
And can voting bring about a pluralistic Europe? And what about rights? Women's rights, trans rights and more? We want to hear what is needed, what is missing, what is being worked on and what is being dreamt of right now. Great. That's some really interesting prospects already. And since today it's just the three of us and our cups are still not empty, let's talk about all of this a little bit. Okay. Henry, I actually have a question for you to kick things off right away. As a queer rights activist, what do you think is the most pressing issue for the queer communities in Europe today? Wow, uh, that's a really straight to work question, but <laughs> you know me, I'm not into small talk. Um, but honestly, it's a very good question uh, to Neta Paulina. So I think the most important thing is the lack of legal protection for trans and non-binary individuals across Europe. And as a scholar and also a program manager here, I would add that when dealing with questions of gender and sexuality, we really need to take into account religion and its connects to national identity. Because many countries still have discriminatory laws and policies in place or installing them just now, like Hungary last year, I think. And they're often stating all this uh, as a defense of order and tradition against so-called Western queer ideology. And therefore, I think it's really important that we work towards creating a more inclusive society for all persons. Preach, Henry. Um, okay, talking about national identity. Neta Paulina, as a critical geographer, what do you think is the most pressing issue when it comes to human territoriality in Europe today? Well, one of the most pressing issues I see is the continued use of borders and walls to control and exclude certain groups of people. Um, we need to find ways that create more inclusive and equitable societies that go beyond the narrow idea or definition of what we see as the order of human societies, um, mainly and very narrowly defined as a nation state. That's really important um, to find other concepts, maybe to organize our living together. Um, Whitney, I think this relates to your expertise as well. What do you think are the relevant issues when it comes to racial justice in Europe? Ooh, there are a lot of issues, but I think one of the most pressing issues is the continued systemic racism and discrimination faced by black and minority ethnic communities across Europe. We need to actively work towards dismantling these systems and indeed create a more equitable and just society for all. And that's the point, right? All these issues are interlinked. The idea of territorial or state borders has been used as a tool to create exclusive national narratives and to justify state building and practices of exclusivity. It has been used not only to create identities and perceived safe spaces, but also, unfortunately, to justify the displacement and oppression of indigenous people and minority groups. And that's not just a historical issue, right, Neta Paulina? We're seeing the impact of these territorial borders and exclusive national narratives today in issues like the refugee crisis and the treatment of immigrants and minorities within European countries. Absolutely. And it's not only just a historical issue, but it's not only just an European issue as well. So we see it on a global scale that those things are happening all over the world. That's why I think it's so vital to question the limits of the nation state as the only form of political organization and to imagine alternatives. And you're going to hear me harp on about this a lot, I'm afraid. But it's not just about imagining alternatives. It's also about understanding the historical and ongoing impact of these territorial boundaries on marginalized groups and working towards solutions that address these issues right now. 
I am so curious to hear about these alternatives, Neta Paulina. And I also believe that, you know, this is the place where the concept of intersectionality comes in, right? I'm sure we will have the time to unpack this more thoroughly because it's important to understand that these issues of territorial borders and exclusivity impact different marginalized groups in different ways. For example, as a black woman, I experience the impact of these issues in a way that is different from the impact on a white cisgender man. Talking of white cisgendered men, no, <laughs> talking of borders affecting various people in different ways. I would like to give you an example. Um, so for me, myself, one main obstacle to live outside Germany. Wait, don't you live in Germany, Henry? Yes, I do for now, but hypothetically, or something to take into account for a possible future, um, is the organization of trans health care and that it's still not like in a uniform way done in Europe. Um, Whitney, I don't know if you have dealt with the topic before, but as a human rights lawyer, could you tell us something about the challenges you've seen in the fight for trans rights in Europe? Well, one of the biggest shortcomings or challenges is the lack of legal protection for trans individuals. Many countries in Europe still do not have laws in place to protect trans people from discrimination in the workplace or in housing, for example. Or in healthcare. Um, but taking this example a bit further, Netta Paulina, I'm curious, do you think the lack of legal protection for trans people also connects to the grander issues of territoriality and borders? Definitely. But I think everything connects to that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, Henry, I think it's important to understand that the lack of legal protection for trans people or any minority group really is not just a legal issue. It doesn't remain a legal issue. It also is a geographical issue. This may sound surprising, but trans people often face discrimination and violence in areas where they don't conform to the societal norms. And that can directly lead to them being pushed out of certain spaces and into others. And we often forget how quickly discrimination can lead to displacement. It's a slippery slope. Yes. And again, not just in Europe, but worldwide. Absolutely. And it's not just about laws and geographical borders. It's also about societal borders and norms. So I think it's crucial to explore how we can challenge and reshape these societal boundaries to create a more inclusive and pluralistic society. That's a great point, actually. As a human rights lawyer, I believe that it's important to not only challenge laws and societal norms, but also to create new ones that protect and empower marginalized communities and push for the enforcement of these laws as well. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's really important to have like diverse voices and perspectives in this conversation, not just here with us on the podcast, but on a societal level to really understand the complexity of all these issues. But this is exactly what we hope to do with this podcast, <laughs> to have these conversations or start them and create a space for open dialogue and discussion about a more inclusive and pluralistic future. And doing our part, of course, in creating a more pluralistic society that is truly inclusive and equitable for all. That's why we want to hear from you, our listeners. If any one of you has any thoughts or suggestions on how to create this inclusive and pluralistic vision of ours, please let us know. If anyone has any suggestions for topics or guests, please leave them in the comment section or email us. You will find the email in the description box. All right, you folks, um, I don't know uh, about you, but my coffee cup is empty and I need to head back. 
Same here. But it was lovely speaking to both of you. And can I just say, I'm so excited for what's to come. Same here. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to be great. I hope so. Until then, you too stay safe. And as well, all people are listening outside and maybe you join us for next episode for a cup of coffee and reshaping Europe. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye. bye.